Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 975-1280 the zone. Hit it. And the zone sports network. Flag on the field about seven yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Holding. Defense number one. That penalty is declined. Result of the play. Touchdown. Justin Herbert strikes. And it's 16-0 with a PAT to come. Plays where the line of scrimmage battle is in sharp focus. Burdell right up the middle. Usually the more physical team, like I said, even in the loss earlier in the season, uh, we won the line of scrimmage. Yeah, that, that loss was not due to line of scrimmage play. So I guess you could say that. I guess you could say that uh, they beat us uh, with our strength and you know where our strength lied. And, and uh, but they've been physical all year long too. I mean, they're they're a, they're a good football team. They've won uh, ten games for a reason, eleven now. And so it's two good teams going at it. The Utes lose, Gordon, in the Pac-12 title game, 37-15 to the Oregon Ducks. And uh, I'm kicking myself a little bit, Gordon, today because I, I've been on the Ducks bandwagon all year long uh, telling have. people that uh, Oregon is really good. Not that I uh, doubted you, you, that. You calmed it down a little bit down the stretch. Well, losing to Arizona State, I mean, yeah. that, that was something else. And that that really muddied the waters for me. Uh, and then, you know, I, I bought into the eye test with Utah, like a lot of folks. And now, uh, Gordon, people uh, I have been throwing around the word fraud a little bit online. That's a bunch and of crap. Let's, yeah, let's, let's take a step back. Yeah, I mean, look, I've never been a homer and I never will be. Uh, but uh, here's the problem. When you have a situation like this where Utah plays really, really well down the stretch and then they have an off night or – and I don't want to take credit away from Oregon. Oregon played terrific. But how would we have judged Oregon based on how they played against Arizona State? You know, I mean, it happens sometimes. The Utes are not a fraud. No, they're not. That, that They had a bad night. I mean, I, I think it's fair to say it. Now, we can break it down and, and talk about why they had a bad night and how that happened. But to say the Utes are a fraud because they got beat by Oregon this way— it is not true. I mean, a lot. I mean, you can judge a lot of teams by their worst moment, but and this was the youth's worst moment. They are uh, they are better than they showed. Now, a couple things, Gordon. We we talked, and this was I teased Frank because this seemed like low hanging fruit when he brought up his matchup of the game during the pregame show. But a lot of people were talking about this throughout the week: the Utah defensive line against the Oregon offensive line. Now, I talked to you about it all week long. Absolutely. Now, here's the thing. People were underestimating Oregon's offensive line big time. And we talked to you about how they had four seniors and their young pup on the offensive line was Penny Sewell, the best offensive lineman in the country. <laughs> and the truth is, they crushed Utah at the line of scrimmage. They give up a 200-yard rusher. C.J. Verdell yeah. has 208 yards. I did not see that coming that Utah was going to get run over by Oregon. Because Utah's D-line is, really, D is really good, too. And they got mauled. 
Yeah, they gave up 180 more yards than they usually do on the ground. They got mauled. And then the second one, and and again, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to throw out the the term fraud because I, I think that's too strong. But you know, Utah with that offensive line put it together with some smoke and mirrors this year, and we found that out. They played against USC in USC's defensive line, and they got just creamed, and Utah lost. And then uh, the other night in the Pac-12 championship game, they had a, they did not have a good night. And and the the stat I point to is that Tyler Huntley had 14 carries. And when we used to talk about Tyler Huntley's carries, we were talking about hero ball, right, where he was keeping it in the zone read and, and trying to make dreams come true. Those 14 carries, that was Tyler Huntley running for his life, just, <laughs> like, just like the USC game. That was not Tyler Huntley reverting to old Tyler Huntley. That was Tyler Huntley running for his very existence. And the O-line just picked a bad time to have their worst game in a while. Well, we kept looking from the press box. I was looking to see if the receivers were open. But he was getting so much pressure put on him that it, it was hard for him to hang in there for those, uh, for those throws. And some of the time, nobody was open. So that, that's a bit of a problem. What's a quarterback supposed to do at that point? He's supposed to try and pick up some yardage if he can. Six sacks. And then we saw him th- throw the two interceptions. That's going to happen when you're getting pressure. Yep, 100%. The, the way he was getting it. And so Oregon played terrific. That's the best I've seen them play all year. I mean, they were really, really good. And they were motivated. They were amped up. And they were well coached in that game. Utah, uh, Kyle was right when he said uh, lost the line of scrimmage. Both sides. How, how many fourth and shorts do you have to see where the Utes are unable to pick up a yard or two. Um, and I questioned the one. I questioned one after they went uh, they, they cut the lead to, what was it, 23-15? And then they went for it at midfield. I wondered about that call because they. I, I don't have a problem with the aggression. I mean, sure, uh, go ahead and go for it if you want. But I, I thought that may have been a mistake. But anyway, point is the Utes couldn't pick up a first first down on a fourth and one we saw that time and again and then on the other going the other way uh the ducks could the ducks uh, were able to have these bursts that uh that paid off in a big way you mentioned the 208 yards by cj and that was those were killers a lot of people complaining about the punt in the fourth quarter as well uh i think those are just semantics U- utah got beat by a better team and they didn't play particularly well, and Oregon played great. But Oregon's got a bunch of talent, and they are well coached. I think Mario Cristobal is doing a great job. And on top of that, he's not trying to copy Chip Kelly. He's doing his own thing up there. It's his own thing. And it was interesting the motivational tactic he used in the week uh, running up to the game because the Ducks were very well aware that everyone was talking about the Utes, and everyone was talking about how tough they are and how physical they are. And that really bothered the Ducks, man. They, they were highly motivated in that game, and they picked a good time to uh, play their best ball because now they're going to the Rose Bowl and uh, the Utes. Uh, I called it the worst loss in the history of the program. It's not the worst loss in the, that they got crushed. It's the worst loss considering what their opportunity was. Oh, they had a lot on the line. Everything. Yeah, and, and they got beat soundly. Yep. So that's... I mean, it's not what I thought we'd be talking about today. Uh, I really didn't. I mean, but uh, at the same time, Utah did make a living off of, of beating some teams that they were better than. And they should have, by the way. 
and then we just we there there were a couple of their flaws that were exposed and and the defensive line for Utah is the one that really confuses me we asked pretty much all of our uh, you know pundits and experts that we had on the on the air last week Gordon uh, about Oregon being number 10 against the run, Utah being number one against the run, who was the more likely team to figure it out and be able to run the ball? And during the pregame show, I I honestly thought it was going to be sixes where it was basically going to eliminate the run on either side and which quarterback could go out there and make plays. And I was wrong. I, I was wrong. Utah's run defense folded, and Oregon ran over the Utes, which almost never happens to Utah, which is a, is a, a complete compliment to the Oregon Ducks. But that one baffles me. Because those guys on on Utah's front four are are absolutely legit. They yeah. are legit NFL talent, legit players who are are awesome. They're all going to the Senior Bowl. There's a reason they're all going to the Senior Bowl, and they got run over by the best O line in the country, which is is nothing to be ashamed of, unless you're supposed to be the best D line in the country. Certainly against the run, that did, that surprised me. Did you have a problem with the structure of the defense on those third downs that the Ducks uh, were facing, and it, they loaded it up up front, and as soon as that opening happened, boom, seventy yards later, touchdown. All you got to do is once you pop through that that uh, gap, you're gone. You know what I you know what I sometimes hate about second guessing calls like this is you you want your defensive coordinator to be aggressive. We love aggressive defensive coordinators. We love Buddy Ryan, don't we? We're we're all all football fans love Buddy Ryan. We're calling for our defensive coordinators to be aggressive, and there's a reason that most defensive coordinators aren't all out aggressive all the time because you leave yourself vulnerable to just that. But Morgan made an aggressive call. He thought it better to to do that, and it didn't work. So I, I find sometimes it's hard to second-guess those types of things because, you know, one week Kalani plays the pad coverage that beats USC, mm-hmm. and we're all raving about it. The next week he plays the very same coverage against Washington, and they get drilled. Yeah. You know? So it's – you asked me if I – I mean, was it the right thing to – the right call? 100% no. But, I mean, there's a defensive coordinator that was trying to be aggressive to get something going his way, and it's a tough time. Uh, I have a tough time faulting that. And I heard a lot of second-guessing of Andy Ludwig as far as his, uh, you know, giving the ball to Zach Moss in more kind of predictable situations. People say, mix it up, you know. Well, that stuff's been working all year long, you know. The thing with Andy is he's – and you hear a lot of people who are really familiar with him that he's always setting something up, that his play call in the first quarter is setting something up for the fourth quarter. Like Kyle Gunther, who played for him, you hear him talk about that all the time. It, I felt like we never got the the payoff to the setup. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, why well, It felt like it, it lacked creativity, and, and you keep telling yourself, like, okay, he's just setting this up, setting this up, setting this up. Well, when and maybe the behind oppor- 20 to nothing, it's kind of hard to set anything up at yeah, that Yeah, maybe the, the opportunity wasn't there, which is, is probably the case. But I, I can see why fans would think that the play calling was a little vanilla. But I'll go back to what you said right off the top, Jake, and that is that Oregon picked a great night to play great, and they did. They played to their potential. And maybe they're better than Utah. I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, that no, Utah's better than Oregon. I'm just saying that Oregon played at 95% and the Utes played at 80%, and they paid the price for it. And for whatever reason, that's the way it happened. And the Utes just got run over, man. They got, they got, they got punched in the mouth. Now, I'm going to get a lot of uh, probably beauty contest type tweets for this next opinion. But yeah, I think Oregon is better than Utah. 
I thought that for most of the season until that Arizona State loss, where, yeah, they didn't look like a very good team against Arizona State. But Oregon is is riddled with talent. That is a crazy talented team. You know, we saw C.J. Ferdell, but they really have three backs that could dominate. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a really strong rushing team. They've got the best quarterback in the conference, which has a lot of value. I mean, you de- can argue that, that point, I suppose. Really good too. And I the mean, defense is amazing. And, yeah. and it wasn't as good statistically as Utah's, but that doesn't mean that we should discount the fact that Oregon had an amazing defense. You know, we were kind of scoffing at their run defense when they're 10th, 10th in the country. I mean, that's that's awesome, and they were they were terrific. And that uh, linebacker Breeze, that dude was everywhere. And he's lucky he didn't get ejected yeah. from the game. Yeah, but will. that guy, that guy played out of his freaking mind. Oregon, Oregon was really good because they are really good. And I I don't know how to explain the Arizona State thing. I really don't. And they were whooping Auburn too, and let Auburn back in the game. And so you know. Maybe I guess they had their off nights, but I, I don't see why it would be controversial to say that Oregon's a better team than Utah. They just put a hurting on Utah. Yeah, they did. They did. And they just didn't play their best. I mean, that's a fair statement. And I think Oregon did. And this brings up the whole argument about non-conference scheduling and whatnot. If uh, Oregon hadn't played Auburn, they'd be in a playoff right now, and the Utes would be going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, you should jump on board with me who's been telling you that for years, that why on <laughs> earth would you ever schedule a hard game in the non-conference? It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I guess not. I, I still think that they like to use those kinds of comparisons in the committee and they use them, they bend them any which way they want, whatever's most convenient for them. But, I mean, we look at it this year. I mean, the undefeated teams are going to the playoff. No undefeated team is getting, uh, you know, surplanted by a one-loss team because the one-loss team beat a SEC team in the non-conference. And some people are saying had the Utes looked just a little better, they would have made the Cotton Bowl. I don't know if I I don't know if I agree with that. Maybe. I mean, number ten Penn State goes, and number eleven Utah goes to the Alamo. But again, this is one of those things where they'd probably want to put Penn State in in front of Utah because they're Penn State. I tell you the truth, I was impressed that the Alamo wanted Utah instead of USC. I don't think that they did. That's sort of what some people are wondering. Well, okay, so so Kyle Bonagura, uh, he for ESPN, right, uh, Austin? Looking, uh, hi, Austin. You're looking happy today. Hello. Hey, it's good to see you. <laughs> well, that's by mistake. Uh, he he reported basically that it was no done deal that Utah was going to the Alamo that they would absolutely consider USC, and then John Wilner added, and this was commentary, not reporting, but Mm -hmm. added that, well, Larry Scott should twist some arms to get Utah in the Alamo Bowl because the Holiday Bowl didn't want Utah again, and so then how far are they going to get kicked down the line? Because the Holiday Bowl had them last year. So I would not be surprised if the Alamo Bowl would rather have had USC because they are, after all, the Trojans. And they would have SC Texas. Right. But I bet you Larry Scott probably twist a couple arms and said, we can't have our runner-up plummeting to the Vegas Bowl. The, that the, can't that can't happen. If they'd gone to the holiday, they would have had a better matchup, a better opponent than they do at the Alamo. But I don't think the Holiday Bowl would want Utah two years in a yeah, row. Yeah, that's true. That seems to be a no-no. And if they could have passed, they probably would have. And that, again, kicks Utah further down the line. And that doesn't look good for the league. What if you guys were the Alamo Bowl? Who would you want? Well, probably the Trojan. I want a USC-Texas matchup 100%. Rematch of the old championship yeah, game. Right. Yeah, right. You're going to get eyeballs on that uh, on that product for that reason alone. But again, it goes back to what should bowl games be? 
Should they be rewards for performance this year, or should they be money makers for whoever owns the Well, poll? actually, if you believe their tax status, most of them are charities. <laughs> okay. All right. Remember that whole Fiesta Bowl fiasco yes, where people actually ended up going to jail? Oh, believe me. <laughs> I, uh, I was... Uh, in communique with uh, certain fellows down there. Yeah, that was that was not pretty. So did you blow the whistle? No, but was that you, Gordon? No, but mm. I had written some things about some of the administrators down there, and I did hear from them. Yes, the reason Utah is not in a New Year's Six Bowl, Gordon, is because Oregon wasn't good enough to go to the playoff. If Oregon were good enough to go to the playoff, then the Pac-12 has a tie-in with the Rose Bowl, and the Rose Bowl would have selected Utah, a la exactly what happened with the Orange Bowl in Virginia. I know people are outraged about yeah, UVA, and yeah. I totally get it. Uh, four-loss team heading to New Year's Day. But the ACC has a deal with uh, the Orange Bowl, and the Orange Bowl takes the ACC runner-up when the ACC champion goes to the playoff. And yeah, that, that league was not terrific. <laughs> and I don't think UVA is necessarily all that terrific, but that's the bowl tie-in. That's, that's how it works. So if Oregon would have gone to the playoff, Utah would be in the Rose Bowl, and people would be complaining about Utah. So, oh, look so, how they lost to Oregon, and so they're in the Oregon Rose Bowl. if Oregon hadn't played Auburn, Utah, Utah would, be, would be in the Rose Bowl. Right. If Oregon would have done what they're supposed to do and <laughs> and played uh, San Jose, then, yes, Utah would be in the Rose Bowl. Yes. Correct. Oh, Although, I guess San Jose, think about. San Jose this year did beat Arkansas, right? So maybe that's, oh, a, bad, maybe that's a bad example. Uh, Gordon, some news uh, coming out of Yahoo Sports. Dan Wetzel, who is really, really good, uh, has this report out there. He says, uh, if he doesn't enter the NFL draft, Utah State quarterback Jordan Love is contemplating a grad transfer per source. Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Houston, all possible destinations. No decision made. NFL draft grade will weigh heavily. Gordon, well, reaction. Uh, well, I don't know what he's doing with Houston, but obviously the Texas Tech connection with Yost and Wells, and uh, and who wouldn't want to go play for Oklahoma if you had an opportunity to lead that team? Huh? Oh yeah, with what uh, Lincoln Riley has done with quarterbacks recently, it I just mean, it just hasn't been a good year. We thought that they would take a step back offensively this year. You know, they had uh, they, they had some holes they needed to fill, but uh, I don't blame him if he decides to do that. But uh, if I were him and I was a top th- maybe a f- first three rounds, I'm going. I'm going. I couldn't agree more. I don't know. I uh, When we were talking about this during the break, I said top two. But, I mean, top three. We're, we're having the same argument, right? I mean, you go get that cash, and it's a high enough. You just want to make sure you're a high enough draft pick that they can't cut you tomorrow. Right. Pay if, attention to what I'm doing and right. be patient with me. You want an NFL franchise to invest in you enough that they give you the opportunity to develop. And if you're a, um, you know, an unsigned free agent, I know we saw Gardner Minshew do some things with uh, Jacksonville, but you know when you're an unsigned free agent, it's you could be you could be on the street tomorrow right. without an opportunity. So yeah. um, if I'm you know first two, first three, you know I'll listen to that argument certainly. Uh, you know get out there in the NFL draft. With that said, let me ask you this: Let's say you, Jordan Love gets a third round uh, evaluation from the NFL, and Oklahoma says you can come start here tomorrow. What do you do? I'd probably go to Oklahoma. Uh, but it would be a tough choice. But I understand if he goes to Oklahoma and he plays the way he's capable of, I think, highly of Jordan Love. I do, too. Uh, then he could he could jack up that uh, that uh, that 
pick for next season. That's what it's about for him at this point is is getting his draft stock up. And I think he can I, I think he's a viable NFL quarterback. I do. I know he's got some holes. He's got some things he's gotta fix. He's got some refinement to make, but he's got he's got he's got that live arm. And he's got all the measurables mm-hmm. and he can he can make all the throws. Yeah. We didn't see that all the time. What do you think about this from a Utah State uh, standpoint? And by 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 the way, this is just a, a report that this could happen. Nothing is nothing is set in stone. But what do you think about this from a Utah State standpoint? Uh, it would be if I were heavily invested in Utah State, it would be painful to see this happen. Uh, if I'm Utah State, I'd rather have them enter the NFL draft than transfer to some other school because then it makes it look like your program is somehow insufficient. Um, what do you think if you're Gary Anderson right now and you're evaluating your offensive staff? Uh, well, there's some questions there as well because it's, it's hard as because Yost last year was just he was fantastic working with Jordan Love. This year he didn't have as much to work with. No, he did not. But at the same time, if you're an offensive and coordinator, by, by that I mean I, I mean uh, Sanford. I don't mean Yost. No, no, no. Sanford. Uh, yeah. He had a new O line, which mm-hmm. and a young O line, right. which had certainly had its issues. They got run over by Air Force this year. That offensive line. So, you know, they were far from perfect. Uh, CLC Mariner turned out to be pretty good. Caleb Rep did as well, but they were a little short on weapons. I got yeah, it. Yeah. But if you're a if you're an offensive coordinator and you're handed an NFL quarterback. Uh, you got you can't crater that quarterback, right? I mean that we can make all the excuses in the world, but that that can't happen. Well, anytime you talk about making changes on your offensive or defensive staff, you've got to think, okay, am I replacing and by by firing someone that I can replace with a better coach? That's always the question. Mm-hmm. So, but if I'm Jordan Love, I, I go to the NFL if I can. However, if Oklahoma says, "Hey, come on in here, you're our number one guy," that would be awfully hard to turn down. Just go compete for a national championship and play your way into a top five pick. Because I mean, that's the the track record at Oklahoma, right? And he's good enough to do it. I you think. would think so. Yep. I mean, Jalen Hurts was he going to be drafted at Alabama? Uh, maybe. No, is the answer to that. <laughs> He's probably going to be a first-round pick. And then Baker Mayfield, I mean, he was far from the number one pick in the draft before Lincoln Riley got a hold of him. That is true. That is true. And same thing with Kyler Murray. Yep. Yeah. So that would be pretty hard to pass up. It would. If, if, I mean, you'd have to have the assurance. I mean, you're going to come in and start. Because that would be a death sentence. Transfer, pass up the NFL, transfer to Oklahoma, and then ride the pine. I mean, that would not be terrific. But Well, I don't know what uh, Oklahoma's quarterback situation is. I don't know either. But you're right. If you're getting an assurance that you're going to be the number one candidate, uh, I think uh, I answer that, that call. But I tell you what, if he gets the evaluation that's still a top two rounder, maybe three. You know, that'd be really hard to pass up. It would. Just got to make sure that, that that you go high enough that that NFL franchise is invested in your success. That's that's so key. That's why you hear, uh, you know, what the like sixth rounders talk about it. Maybe it would have been better if you go undrafted because then you can at least pick your destination. Because if a team takes you in the sixth round, you know, 
you better outplay some veterans or you're not going to be there anymore. Think about the upward arc Jordan Love has uh, has been on. He's not recruited by anybody. Utah State's his only D1 offer. He comes to Utah State, he beefs up a little bit, shows what he can do, and now you got the NFL wanting you. And there is a lot of interest in him. There's also some questions, I get that. But coming out of Bakersfield, there's no way that he would be getting offers from Oklahoma. And to all the college football athletes that uh, that listen to this show, and we know there are many, many of you, this is why you get your degree. This is why you go to summer school when you have to hang around the program anyway. It's because you give yourself flexibility to put yourself in the best position possible. And uh, I know that college sports is undergoing this player empowerment movement, but this is this is why you work your butt off and get your degree. Yeah. Because now, Jordan, if he doesn't get the satisfactory grade from the NFL that he wants, he can pick the best position for him and move forward as opposed to being locked in. And I don't know this for a fact, but let's say he's not wild about Mike Sanford. Then you can have your opportunity to go back and play for Coach Yost and put yourself in the best position to further your career. I mean, this is. Do you have any problem with that at all? Nope. You um, know, because some fans would. I don't have. I do have problems. I don't think the NCAA should just go to the Wild West and, and let's just everybody transfer. Everybody uh, get a free transfer. Yeah. I think that's a bad idea. I, I really do. I think, but do you think it's but, being but, disloyal? But, do you think it is somehow stabbing the, the school that gave you an opportunity in the back? No, and I'll tell you why. Because I'm one of the very few people out there that seem to value an education and a college degree around here. And after all, you're the, <laughs> you're one of the, few. the, the point of playing college football is to get a darn degree. And if you get that degree, 100%, 100%, you deserve a benefit of some flexibility because you did what you were supposed to do, and that's go get yourself a college education. And if they're making you stick around for summer, like, you know, because we all know what, uh, you know, voluntary workout really means, right? <laughs> if they're making you stick around during the summer, pound out some classes, Give yourself the opportunity to have a little flexibility your senior year. I've got zero issue with that. None. You? No, I don't. And I, I but I'm not a fan, so it doesn't hurt my feelings. Uh, I can see why fans are hurt. Well, because we know fans. You're not a fan, so you don't get these emotional attachments to players and things that don't actually exist, but yet you're emotionally attached to it. So of course your feelings aren't hurt, but the, your 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 Aggie fan that has Jordan Love's fat head on his wall and is living and breathing <laughs> Aggie football, you know, and has established a personal connection with this player, even though they've never met before. Of course they're going to be rejected or disappointed or whatever right, you right. want to use. Yeah, right. I'm not I'm not going to be judgy or or surprised. Well, I don't by know that. if you get the fat head, or if you're wearing his jersey then maybe you would care enough about him to want what's best for him at this point. Because he's already given you a lot. Okay. The truth is you're wearing Utah State's jersey. Jordan doesn't have a jersey you can buy. Hmm. See what I did there? I do see what you did. Pay those amateurs? Uh, No, uh, let's not get crazy. That's what uh, Jake thinks. I hate amateurism. Pay those college athletes. We need to get rid of that.